welcome to this month's edition of the Girls Ministry World podcast presented to you by Sage Ministries. I'm your host, Merritt Johnston, and today we're going to talk about a, a topic that is very near to my heart. Um, having served on staff as a women's minister for uh, over five years, uh, I definitely want to speak to you today about what role that the women's ministry plays within your girls' ministry and vice versa. And the answer, in my opinion, to that question is very simple. Uh, I believe that it is the critical foundation of both ministries based on what Scripture tells us in Titus chapter 2. We're going to take a look at that passage in just a moment, but thankfully we just came from our Outfit Girls Ministry training conference, and so we had the opportunity to see uh, women interacting with, with girls that were part of our Impact Academy. We were able to see that intergenerational discipleship process at work this weekend, and truly I think that that is the key to seeing ministries thrive, seeing relationships thrive, breaking down the generational barriers. All those things can happen if we choose to engage in intergenerational discipleship as we have been commanded. And so we're going to take a look at what Scripture has to say to us about this topic and then talk a little bit about how we can actually implement this within our girls' ministries within the local church. So in Titus chapter 2, if it's not a passage that you're familiar with, it's one that you really do need to familiarize yourself with. It's one that has critical importance to you just as a woman who's following after Christ. Um, Beyond being a minister, beyond uh, leading a girls' ministry, this is critical to you just as a woman of God striving to live out the things that God has commanded you to do. In Titus chapter 2, we see that God lays out some commands for us specifically uh, for each gender, what the men are supposed to be teaching men and what the women are supposed to be teaching younger women. And so we'll start in verse 3 because that's what is specific to us as women. It says this, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. And so I want to work backwards, if we may. In verse 5, the end of that, we see that we do all these things. It gives us the reason why we do all these things, and that reason is this so that no one will malign the word of God. Obviously, we live in a culture where people have many things to say about Christianity, and the large percentage of those those statements are not positive. And so when we, we look at, at this particular passage of Scripture, it says that we can live out these things, and it says that no one will malign the word of God if we begin to live out this process. If you continue on a few verses down, it actually tells us at the end of verse 8 that even those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say. So when we look at that, it tells us that this would be so counterculture if we began living out this intergenerational discipleship. If we began tackling the topics, the issues that are addressed in this passage, it would be so revolutionary that even people who stand in opposition to Christianity would be ashamed to speak negative things about those who are striving to follow Christ, about those who are living out this truth within their church. But obviously we are doing this for, for many reasons. We're not just doing this to silence the critics. We need to be passionate about intergenerational discipleship, and we need to be implementing this within our churches for the furtherance of the gospel, for the raising up of a new generation of disciples. We have so many reasons to be able to implement this Titus 2 process within our churches, this Titus 2 mandate and command. And the reality is that we can't turn our back on this passage of Scripture. This is a biblical command just as much as we have the command to share our faith, to, to spread the gospel. We have a responsibility to invest uh, within each generation. This is what God has biblically called us to do. And I believe what we've done within many of our churches is we've begun to age segment our ministries. And, and while I would agree that there are some advantages to that from the standpoint that within a certain peer group and a certain age 
demographic. You're going to have shared interests and passions. We cannot do that exclusively and avoid the command that's given to us in Titus chapter 2. So we can't have each ministry segmented and stuck in their own section of our church buildings without interacting with one another. Because Titus 2 tells us that we can see amazing change happen within our communities, with the response that we receive from outsiders looking in at what we are trying to accomplish within our churches if we begin to live out this command. There's actually an interesting article that I would encourage you to read. Uh, Christianity Today actually has a publication that they do called Leadership Journal, and you can actually go online to leadershipjournal.net. And there's an article there entitled, Is the Era of Age Segmentation Over? And this features an interview with Dr. Kara Powell, who works at the Fuller Youth Institute. And she actually was our keynote speaker this year for our Outfit Girls Ministry Training Conference. At that event, she was able to share some amazing statistics and, and insight with us about youth culture, about the dynamics of student ministry and girls ministry and how that's changing at this time in our history. But in this particular article, you have the opportunity to see a little bit of her heart and the result of some of her research and where that is, is leading her and, and, and the ways that she's trying to incorporate this teaching within churches that she's able to share with, to minister with, to encourage. And one of the interesting questions that is asked in this interview is what can churches do to increase the likelihood that our kids stay in church after they graduate? And really, I think every church is dealing with this issue of just seeing the great flight of students. Once they graduate from high school, there really is just a sense of disconnect as they walk away from the church, not necessarily their faith, but they're walking away from the church. And so in the, in the process of trying to field that question, one of the interesting responses that she had, and I quote, is this, a lot of kids aren't going to both youth group and church on Sundays. They're just going to youth group. As a result, graduates are telling us that they don't know how to find a church. After years at the kids' table, they know what youth group is, but they don't know what church is. So we have this disconnect among the generations. We have segmented these students in the process of trying to minister what we believe more effectively to them. And in the process, we have alienated them from the church body itself and from the other generations. And so in responding to what churches can do in this process of increasing the likelihood that kids will stay in church upon graduation, her response is this, and again I quote, I think the future of youth ministry is intergenerational youth ministry. At this point in our research, we've found that one thing churches can do that really makes a difference is getting kids actively involved in the life of the church before they graduate. There's a strong link between kids staying in church after they graduate and their involvement in intergenerational relationships and worship. And basically what she's saying here is that churches are seeing success if they implement Titus chapter 2. These students become involved and invested in relationships, and even when they get that high school diploma, there is still a depth of relationship that draws them to the church. And that's what we need to desire. That's what we need to long for within our churches is to have that level of relationship existing among all the generations within our churches. And that's the biblical command that is given to us in Titus chapter 2. And the interesting thing that we see in Titus chapter 2, specifically in those verses 3 through 5, it gives us a mandate. It gives us a task list. It gives us a topic list that we are supposed to be working from as the older women in the church, as we disciple and mold and teach and walk alongside the younger women, we are supposed to be nurturing them and modeling for them and mentoring for them certain characteristics of being a godly woman. 
one of the first principles there is that we're supposed to be showing them what it looks like to love their husbands and children. And this has to be something that we're doing proactively rather than reactively within our girls' ministries. I've been involved in so many counseling sessions with women who are near the end of their marriages that if we just would have taken the time long before they ever entered into that marriage relationship, long before they ever said I do, long before they ever walked down that aisle, long before they ever bought that bridal magazine and began to plan that special day, that if we would have started teaching them as middle school girls and as high school girls and as college girls what it looks like to truly be able to love in a Christ-like way, to love in a 1 Corinthians 13 manner, to love our husbands and children in that way, that's what we need to be doing, to be proactive in that manner rather than reactive. So even though girls are not at that season and stage of life, to be preparing them for that role if that is God's plan for them. That is what we are being commanded to do, to teach them as it says in this Titus 2 passage, what it looks like to be submissive to their husband, to teach them the blessing that submission can be when it's in the plan of God's kingdom. When it's executed in that manner, when you're under that covenant of protection of your husband, of his leadership, as God has ordained for it to be. But we have to be teaching these principles to these girls. The only way that they are going to receive that type of message, because it is so counterculture, because it is so against what the rest of the world is telling them. The only way they are going to receive that message is in the context of a relationship. That means that we have to begin right now forging relationships among the generations. We have to be investing in that trust bank with these students, putting enough deposits in, and when it's time to teach a difficult truth or a hard-to-grasp truth or a hard-to-comprehend truth that's different from what culture is saying, that we have the right to make a withdrawal because we've been investing in them and we have earned their trust. And so this means for each and every one of our churches, this has to start right now. And so that's my prayer. Um, that's my hope. That's my goal within SAGE. Uh, our team is passionate about Titus chapter 2. This is why our ministry was founded. This is why we do what we do. This is why we have the special time with just the sponsors and the adults that come to our events to teach the truths of Titus chapter 2 and to cast that vision. Our spring events that are coming up, our conferences this year with our undivided conference theme, at each of those events, I will actually be teaching the sponsors a session called the Titus II Initiative. And out of the overflow of that, what we are praying that God will do, what we are praying what people will be receptive to, is that every single church represented that comes to our conferences, and even those of you that are out listening across the country, our prayer is this, that you will implement Titus chapter 2 within your churches, that you will join us in this Titus II Initiative, and that you will take that challenge and say, yes, we will be part of God's command and His mandate to invest in this generation, that we will begin to link the generations together, that we will no longer be an age-segmented church, but that we will take the Titus II challenge. And so that's not going to be an easy process. Hear me, I understand that that is not going to be an easy process. But things that are worthwhile are never easy. This is going to require effort. This is going to require prayer. This is going to require planning. But I believe that every single girl that is within your girls' ministry, every single one needs to be invested in an intergenerational relationship. And so that's going to be a matter of recruiting within your churches, casting that vision, declaring to them that this is a mandate that they are called to fulfill. And then putting them in a position of success, setting up a structure for them, giving them some instructions so that they have some tips and some thought processes as they begin the process of discipleship and mentorship, giving them the tools that they need to be able to teach some of these difficult truths in Titus chapter 2. But we do not need Bible scholars to teach 
what is found in Titus chapter 2. We need women who have lived life. We need women who are walking down the path of pursuing Christ in their marriages, in their homes, with their families, with their children, in their workplaces. That's what we need, and that's what we need to model for each and every one of these girls because that is going to be their path. That is going to be their future. And so if they have someone to hold their hand right now in the season of life that they are in, to walk them into that next season, that is what God has commanded. And this isn't just applicable to girls' ministries. This is within your women's ministry as well. Every single woman within your church needs to be involved in Titus II relationships. Every single one. And so I want to challenge you to join us in this initiative. It's my prayer that we would see every single church in this country and in the world rise up to meet God's mandate within Titus chapter 2. And the amazing thing is when we begin to do that, we will see amazing change. The community will see an amazing change. And they will know that our God is good. It even says later in Titus chapter 2 that they will see the teachings about God our Savior, that they're attractive, that He is a beautiful and attractive and wonderful God, and that they have the opportunity to know Him and to experience the depth of relationship that comes when we begin to live out Titus chapter 2. Will you join me in this challenge? Will you join the initiative? If that's your hope and your prayer and your desire, then I challenge you just to contact us to get more information. We've got resources on our website, on our blogs. We've got tools and tips there for you. And we'd love to visit with you even one-on-one -on -one about your situation and give you more tools to help you succeed in the Titus II initiative. On behalf of all of our SAGE team, I want to thank you for joining us for this month's edition of the Girls Ministry World Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next month as we unpack some truths about family and the role that plays within our girls' ministries. Until next time, I hope that you'll stop by and visit us online at www.sageministries.org. There's some amazing resources there for you that we've developed just for you. So stop by, check it out, and let us know what you think. Until next time, thanks and God bless.